Yet another week, yet another episode of Pitch Invasion, episode number six, where we'll be focusing plenty on the international side of things. Hello and welcome. My name is Luazi Zikubu. I'm Kala Makwaza. I'm Emeka Enyadiki. And uh, we are talking AFCON 2019. First up, we saw some plenty uh, or plenty of football and uh, some uh, rather surprising s- results as well as far as uh, perhaps the big guns or so-called big guns of African football is concerned. And we'll start with uh, South Africa and uh, a rather surprise draw. Uh, surprise in the, in the sense that a lot of people well, expected this to be a win for South Africa, but maybe not so much of a surprise if you look at the, the recent results South Africa have uh, sort of uh, failed to come up with when playing at home in AFCON qualifiers. I'm one of those people who also expected a win. I mean, I thought Bafana this time, you know, having beaten Nigeria away from home, mm. you know, that's the momentum you carry into this game. That, was, a, that was a very year ago. Man. It doesn't matter, it Mika, doesn't, even it if it was matter. six years ago, <laughs> if we beat Nigeria away from home, that doesn't happen all the time. So any time you beat Nigeria away from home, you celebrate that until the cows we come home. Imagine, right? imagine if you, exactly. if, if you fail to qualify you for AFCON after that win. <laughs> that's the story for another day, you know. And... I thought, you know, coming into this game, that's the sort of uh, approach Stuart Baxter would have used Mm. in terms of saying to the guys, you know what, Uh, let's come with our chest up. You know, we beat Nigeria away from home. We've got three points. I know we can't uh, underestimate Libya, but guys, we're actually good enough this year. Mm. We've got players playing in higher leagues than, you know, the last time we played Nigeria. And, you know, our players were actually informed domestically. So you would have assumed that, you know, a a comfortable 2-3-0 was on the cards. And I felt that they gave us a scare, to be Mm. quite honest with you. Kune had to be on point at some... points of the game yeah. you know he had to make some good saves and we just never really looked threatening even going forward we went sideways we didn't really penetrate we didn't create enough mm. goal scoring opportunities and in afcon qualifying in fact in qualifying in africa in general whether yeah. it's the world cup whether it's afcon if you do not score goals and create goal scoring opportunities especially at home you will be frustrated by those yeah. teams that come here listen, to get listen, listen my friend uh baxter said in the second half, we were not true to ourselves. I tell you, Bafana were true to themselves. They were missing. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> so, not creating chances is Bafana being true, true to, to themselves. themselves. Oh my goodness! And but they were not scoring goals. So, it's, it's, it's and that's and this is an issue. This is a big issue because I think part of the the backlash after this result was, okay, not scoring enough goals, not creating enough chances, a missed opportunity at home. Bradley Krobla, who's arguably the informed striker in the country at the moment, started on started on the bench. Not Kabul. <laughs> started on the bench. I, I want to ask before we continue. I want to ask as uh, South Africa, from what you've seen, Mika, are we a, a false nine playing nation? Do we is, is do we play false nine because we don't have enough strikers, or do we play false nine because it it's the best sort of possible formation for us to play with the players that we have? I asked the question on the last show, is Gabuza a striker? Just <laughs> don't even talk about it. I mean, the, the point I'm making is, is do you have a striker mm. um, for Bavana who has the, the goal-scoring record of a, of a striker? Mm. So you don't. But then, but then you, okay. you, don't, you don't have, there's no striker in Bavana that, that does 20 goals a season. You know what, Lozzy? I, I, would, can would I interrupt he, you there, Lozzy? Could, 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 could Bradley Krobel have done anything more to earn a start can i say something right as much as i want to disagree with him he's actually right because even when you look back in bafana's dna from 96 okay masinga bari sean bartlett overseas Mm. mccarthy ajax and so forth yeah all our strikers of yesteryear 
that we've taken either to the World Cups, won AFCON and done well. We're playing overseas mm. and banging goals and overseas. Doing well. And doing, doing very well. well. Yeah. And I must be honest to you, it's been a while. I know, okay, Tukelogant is still, if he does come back into the fold at some point, as one of those guys. Hopefully um, he does. Yeah. Hopefully he does, you know, but he's back home now. But the point that I'm trying to make is that it seems like there's a there's a trend that we've missed over the years in terms of what we need up front as a striker. Somebody who even in Europe is respected. I mean, you remember Sean Bartlett. The guy was playing at Charlton in yeah. the Premier League. The yeah. guy, I remember as young as I was watching Sean Bartlett banging goals. He even had a goal of the month at some point yeah. in the Premier League. So I'm talking about that sort of caliber of striker. And, you know, to echo um, Amika's sentiment, we, we just don't have that guy up front. We don't have that guy up front that bring sort of fear to defenders we have guys that are pacey guys that are skillful but in terms of the sort of lethal approach that is needed up front we just don't have that and i don't know i don't know what's gonna maybe the coaching might have to change formation wise like you suggested yeah. a false nine playing nation but at the end of the day a striker needs to be a striker and score goals and okay we don't have that okay we're not scoring we don't have a striker that scores goals we are not scoring goals at home. And this is this is a big issue. You only have a handful of games to qualify. We need to play Nigeria more often. That's the case. <laughs> well, um, away from home, I think you've, you've managed to score four goals, I guess, Nigeria. Yeah. So it's not bad. But the last time you played Nigeria in Cape Town, it was nil-nil. Mm. There's, so, there's so many new moves. The worry, the last the worry for months. me is... Bafana played... I mean, make no mistake about it. They played, yeah. they played very well. I mean, they, they moved the ball around. They passed the ball. This, this is against Libya. In this game, yes. Yeah. But, you know, something is just fundamentally wrong with the mentality of the players. When you get close to the to the, to the goal goal area, that's why I like Lompo Kekana. Somebody has to, to decide at some point in time that, look, these guys are not, are not you know, they, they're putting so many mm. bodies behind the ball. Take a shot. You know, if you have, if you pull the stats from the game, very, very few shots on target. Mm. And if you don't take shots on target, obviously you're not going to get goals. So that, that's where my worry is with, with the team. Uh, before we, we sort of focus on Libya a bit more, were Trumpo Kakana, Mongani Zungu and Tempas on the mist over the weekend? Did we miss, did we miss those three? Um, yes, I think particularly Lombo because mm. uh, one thing he does is you never know where he's going to shoot from. Yeah. And that gives you, I mean, the point is, if he, he takes a shot, mm. there's a ricochet and maybe somebody um, slams it yeah, in. Yeah. Uh, Keegan Dolly, I don't know if I was really impressed with mm. with, with him on, on, on that day. But I think that um, there has to be something done about the player's attitude to, towards, you know, shooting at goal. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, look, yes, we, we, we are sort of... In a, in a position where there's a big debate within South African football, was it a good point? Was it was it two points dropped? But for Libya, are we, are we you know underestimating them? For them, it was a. I mean, you saw the way they celebrated at the end of the game. For them, it was a, a big big point. Listen, um, I said before we got on air that you know one of the things that did disappoint me uh, coming from. Um, you know, the tabloids and stuff was, you know, them uh, lamenting Libya for actually coming here for a point. And I beg to differ. There were chances that Libya had where mm. they could have scored. And I think once they felt that, listen, we did give it a go. Yeah. We nearly scored. 
at this point, you might as well shut up shop. We've also got three points. Yeah. We might as well salvage a draw and, you know, go away from here, leaving with something as yeah. opposed to trying and going all out the fence and leaving with nothing. And, you know, they did themselves justice. I mean, Kune was called upon more than once mm. to keep us in the game. So I don't think Libya actually came here for a draw because even at half time, we could have been 2-0 down easily, yeah. easily. And I think there was a point where they did hit the post or nearly did score somewhere in, uh, at the end of the first half. So I think Libya, to me, were the winners in this game, despite both teams going home. With yeah, psychologically, I think they will, they will, they will gain a lot of confidence yeah. uh, having gotten a draw. And remember, they're, they're on top of the table, so yes, yeah. Added to that, added to that, they don't have, they're not playing in a domestic league currently because of their situation, yeah. uh, the civil they're war in their country. Yeah. So, you know, if you <laughs> you want to add that to the mix, I don't know how you should feel if you're a Bafana supporter mm. knowing that you played against a team where guys were literally picked respect, off from respect, anywhere. Off from, respect is the order you know, of the day. Yeah. You just have to respect every team. Oh, we're back to respect. Uh, Mourinho tendencies now. Yeah, it's we're back to respect <laughs> now. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, maybe it, it, it informs, you know, a lot of the so-called, and, and I, I'm reluctant to call Bafana a, a so-called big side because I think we, we long pop we way past that but it, it, it maybe doesn't fall in giant perhaps that's that's the best we'll best get up. way to put it okay. we'll come back we'll come if, back uh, they, fell, they fell they fell down a lot huh? <laughs> okay. do, do, you, do you remember that that they won in 96 can't forget in 98 they got sil- they got silver and then third in, in third mm. and then suddenly they dropped out of out of afghan and had to only qualify yeah. when they hosted no but i mean it's still in that period we still qualified for 2002 World Cup so it wasn't yeah, all 2002 wasn't, wasn't still too far from yeah, from yeah, 98 yeah. but my point my point was if you look at some of the results uh, from the qualifiers and how a lot of the, the big boys really struggled perhaps uh, it's just another sign or perhaps another just a bit of a, a message to these big boys I mean the likes of Senegal drew against Madagascar a very surprising result even though Senegal were playing away from home Cameroon were held uh, Algeria were held Ghana lost to Kenya uh, DR Congo were held. I hear there's a public holiday in Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> and they were playing with 10 men in Kenya. Yeah. For yeah. A lot you know? part of the second half, they had mm. 10 guys. They got a red card. Yeah. So Chupolo was... Bolo were held uh, by yeah. Namibia as well. Uh, that that, 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 was a, that was a very good game. Mm. Namibia versus, versus yeah. um, uh, Zambia was a very competitive game. Yeah. Um, well, great atmosphere as well. A lot of. Uh, so it wasn't. I mean, even Nigeria, when they won against Seychelles. Mm. You could see that one. They played against a very, very terrible pitch, yeah. and Seychelles were no pushovers. They defended very stoutly, and uh, maybe they, they probably didn't start a chance to win the game. But mm. um, you just have to understand that there are no teams in Africa that you can call minors any, anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. Yeah, that's very true. And that, that takes me back to a couple of years ago when we played Cape Verde, and uh, I don't know if it was you all making this point that they had. More, more players playing in, internationally in than international, we did. Exactly. I still remember. I was I was in Durban at, at the yeah. convention center when President Zuma pulled the Fed out of the upside down. Even, even he was laughing. He was like, you know, he was laughing, and then everyone in the hall was going off, <laughs> all like, no, Bafana's going like, you know, <laughs> what have you got? Before that game, they played they played a friendly game against Nigeria, yeah. and it ended near nil. And I thought to myself, like, no, these boys are gonna yeah. cause some trouble. They gave us a and they gave, they gave they beat Cameroon. Yeah. People forget they beat Cameroon yeah. to qualify for that for that Afcon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as Emika uh, says, definitely no longer any 
small teams and small games that you can take for granted, especially when it comes to AFCON qualifying. And if you look at South Africa's uh, situation, still second in their group, uh, tied on points with Libya, but still some really big games to come, including traveling away to Libya and, and, and welcoming Nigeria to South Africa. I feel that's going to be a really big game as far as Bafana are concerned. Too Unless it's 4-0 to South Africa. Too easy. 4 Too easy. I will... Does not agree. The good thing is, you know, uh, we will come back and... <laughs> And have a conversation after the game. So, still, still a long way to go. Uh, we, we, no, we, notice he's not as confident with Nigeria <laughs> as he is with Liverpool. With else, if it was yeah. Liverpool, like yeah. no, it would be easy yeah. with Nigeria. He knows. No, no, no. He can't be that confident. Uh, when it comes to Nigeria, South Africa, I'm very confident. That game in in Uyo that you won, don't don't let it get into your head because the team that will not? come here, they will come here with vengeance. Just watch out. Two goals and a clean sheet was the result there for South Africa. So do excuse us, we are a bit confident. But uh, let's move on now to uh, what happened over in Europe. And uh, the, I guess the confusion that still surrounds the UEFA Nations League uh, really didn't, you know, sort of stop over the weekend. I, I, I managed to catch one or two games and I was just like, you know, this feels very much like a waste of time. I, don't I, know. I, I don't cannot know tell you how many messages I got <laughs> from people asking me to explain what's going on yeah, in this no. uh, UEFA Nations League. And I must be honest to you, this is... Um, this is the diet of diet cokes of international <laughs> friendlies, to be honest it's, it's to you. It's terrible. Um, look, I, I understand. For me, the UEFA Nations League is more, is all about money mm. and UEFA trying to, you know, stick it to FIFA in some way or another. I, I don't see uh, the significant value in it. That's why we have the FIFA ranking systems to yeah. determine who is above who. So if Germany are the number one team, they are the number one team in the world, which means they're the number one team in Europe. Yeah. That's as simple as that. What the UEFA Nations League is going to prove, is, I've got no idea. Because, I mean, I saw there were, you know, games like Albania playing, you know, oh, and Lithuania. And, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, why not spread the game of football? If Albania need a friendly, can Bafana not play Albania, yeah. right? No, man. Can Lithu no, 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 I I'm serious, Amika. Can we not have those sort of teams maybe come here? Maybe, I, I know there's FCON qualifying right now, but, you know, I would like to have seen a friendly where some of the African teams play those, um, dare I say, fringe European nations. Maybe like a DR Congo who are on the rise and have really good players playing abroad. Let's see them maybe play Switzerland, mm. right? There's a huge DRC um, um, uh, base yeah, in, uh, yeah. in Switzerland, right? Let's see them play there. Let's see, you know, uh, like I said, teams like Lithuania. Why don't they play Namibia? Why don't um, all these other teams that mm. were playing games that I felt that were quite... Are meaningless. I, we've just had the World Cup. The Euro qualifiers are still coming. Yeah. The Euros are still some time away. I just don't see, you know, the relevance. And I mean, a of number this. of teams actually were, were bringing that point I, up. But I can tell you, I watched, I watched a very, a very brilliant game between France and and the Netherlands. See, but, but see, that's that was, top tier stuff. That so was, of course, was going to be was, brilliant. It, I mean, typically you would expect that, in, you know, if it was a friendly game, mm. you won't see the kind of crunching tackle, yeah. tackles that we saw. I mean, Giroud scored a fantastic goal. Uh, oh, no, it was a it was a it was a volley, <laughs> and then and then you had Mbappe tearing through them, and then there was this massive uh, point where Mbappe went through and Van Dijk uh, pulled off a, a great stop. Yeah, and then you had. I uh, still remember Van Dijk's stop. <laughs> come on, <laughs> look if you see, I mean that game was was everything that you find in. Maybe even a World Cup game was that competitive. I, I, I can compare that to the Germany France game that we saw. Yes. Uh, it was in the last week as well. And 
and the England Spain, I thought was really entertaining. England as well. Spain was good. Uh, you know, and, and, and I remember, I remember also there were, there, there were no silly uh, substitutions that you usually find in friendly yeah. games. So the teams took it seriously, and, and the advantage is is some of those smaller teams have a route to the Euros if they do well in this in this tournament. So uh, look at it from point of view of if you are European, what value does it bring to you, yeah. and not sitting, sitting here in Africa and assuming that. You know, but I hear what you're saying, right? I hear what you're saying. But my point with um, why I'm, I'm very much against this tournament is one of the reasons that I feel that the smaller European teams would benefit if they played maybe other stronger teams from other continents because they are still going to be playing the same minnows that they're up against. So, you, you know, Albania is still going to be playing Lithuania, Slovenia is still yeah. going to be playing, you, you know, the no, islands. Islands. Uh, so, that's, why, that's why it's a league. There's, there's yes. promotion. If you if you do well, but you get promoted to, to that Mika, point. Essentially, it's still going to boil down to the same thing. There's no way Albania are going to get to that top tier of the Wales, European nation. Wales we saw Wales and the, Iceland. We, 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 saw, we saw Wales and Iceland at, at but, the Euros. But okay, Wales and Iceland, look, as, as well as they did perform at the Euros, they still are a second-tier European football Agree, agree. Would so, you, I mean, let, I'll give you a scenario, right? Would you not like to see Wales play Nigeria, for instance? I would love to that see African teams play against European teams, but mm. UEFA is... Is the European Football Association, <laughs> not the European African Football Association. Their first interest is two things. One, what is the best interest for the European teams? What is the best interest for um, how, how can they make more money? Mm. Your question should be geared towards CAF. Now that UEFA has come up with this UEFA uh, Nations League, what is the plan for CAF? But, but we know, Amika, CAF, you know, this is where I must say, I mean, CAF, we know... Our players, you know, who play abroad, right? Anytime Kev try bring in something, like you've seen, we've had to change the World Cup, right? Um, sorry, I've the gone, AFCON, gone, right? Yeah. It was in February, okay? We have a lot of star players playing for the top teams. It hurts them. They've said it on num numerous but that, but It hurts their places. This, 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 window, the this window that we have now, right? where, they, where they have the, the UEFA Nations League, we have AFCON every two years. Yeah. UEFA has... The European Championship once every four years. That gives them room to to experiment like they've done now. What have we done in in Africa? We created Chan, a very strange tournament where it is an international tournament of players who are based in Africa. Just some some very um, unconvincing argument about why we had to have Chan. So, you know, we have made our choice, and we have to live with it because it's like saying, oh, why does UEFA have the UEFA Champions League? It's all about two things. What is in their interest, what is in their money. And you know why? Because the, the, the clubs, the big clubs in Europe are at one time threatening to pull out and form their own league. Yeah. And they do have yeah. it in basketball. Mm. They have it in basketball and they want to do the same thing for football. But UEFA was smart enough to say, okay, look, guys, come in, let's have a conversation. We structured it this way and you get more of the money than, than we do. And it works for everybody. Okay, so, so in, in, in the bigger scheme of things, where does the Nations League sort of rank? Where does it fit in? If if you are FIFA, for example, you FIFA first first and foremost, and then you UEFA, in the bigger scheme, where does this all fit in? Because you look at a situation like Luke Shaw, for example, fantastic start to the season, gets injured and look bad. Uh, fortunately, I think it's just a, a concussion, so he will take some time, but he will come back. But had that been even worse, from a, a Manchester United point of view, you're thinking this. United Nations League or this UEFA Nations League is, 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 has just cost me. Well, I agree. I agree. But the point is that... So what's, what's the value? You, it's value. With UEFA, mm. 
they're going to have a, a plan yeah. to compensate the clubs. And in, that, know, in that situation, yes, if you bring yeah. in FIFA, FIFA themselves are, are currently in negotiation with a company that has offered them $25 billion to scrap the UEFA, sorry, the, the FIFA cl um, club championship and the FIFA Confederations Cup. Mm. And Infantino signed a non disclosure agreement to not disclose the name of the company, but an offer is on the table which has been tabled before UEFA. Mm. UEFA are unhappy because this means. A direct challenge because whatever happens with that FIFA club championship mm. will be hinged on European nations and European European clubs. If European clubs don't play in the, in the FIFA club, new plan FIFA club yeah. league, then there's no value. Mm. So they are saying that this is almost like you're trying to uh, what's the word now? Um, you know, go around them and mm. and and take money out of them. So we were in a very very dicey situation. You see, for me, I think look, let's be honest with ourselves now. Change always happens mm. right there will be change down the road in terms of the structures even from the league domestic leagues cup competitions champions league you saw now in the euros where a team that finished third can still make it through to and so go on and, and go it. on and win it so change is going to happen liverpool came, Ma came forth and they go to the finals <laughs> okay change that hasn't changed but uh, <laughs> change is going to happen right my only problem is that you know of all the sports that I look at in the world, when it comes to change, football is the one that its DNA is embedded in the structures that were made from the time it was uh, formed till where we stand today. Well, sports like cricket, time have, has gone. sports of cricket have changed mm. over the years, right? From the whites to the colors, World Cup, T20, and so forth. Rugby. You know, rugby sevens is coming to uh, yeah. the fray, and now women are playing. Women are playing rugby, and so forth. So why are you complaining? Why, why are you complaining about football? <laughs> but now, football is one of those sports where, if you look at it from time, right, since nineteen, whenever they decided to, uh, I can give you. I can give you the dates. Right? Right? I can give you the dates. Nineteen oh four. Right, since nineteen oh four. Okay where we are today right the same structures are still there you still need to put the ball in the back of the net there's 11 people uh, on either side goalkeeper referee linesman and so forth right that has not changed the entertainment value for over a hundred and something mm. years we still love football for what it is in cricket people were complaining that you know there's some people that felt test cricket was too long yep. the ODIs came in some people felt well the ODIs aren't as exciting T20s came in so the entertainment value changed the product and you have three sectors of cricket fans right now you've got the test cricket uh, followers mm. the T20s and the ODIs yeah. football we are universal, yeah. right? We are still the same fans 100 years ago who enjoyed 11 on 11, who enjoyed, you know, the Champions League since when it started, who enjoyed the FA Cup. My problem is that with all these changes, right, that are happening, comes problems. And the problems that come in is all the changes that I don't want to see in football. For example, like we said, when the three teams in Europe, the team that finishes third in their group can go on yeah. and advance to the next round. That, to me, does not add value. Mm -hmm. It does not add entertainment. So now we look at the UEFA Nations League. I understand it's a UEFA thing now. They've changed the situation, but look at it this way. Maybe, Manche maybe like you said with Manchester United, maybe England would not be playing such a strong opponent mm. in that game and Luke Shaw probably wouldn't have started. Mm. He loses 
you know, um, some time at Manchester United when he's on form, maybe he would have been rested in that mm. game because they probably would have played maybe Japan. Yeah. Haven't, they wouldn't have gone so hard. You look at France, Netherlands, there were so many tackles there that could have risked people's yeah, seasons, yeah. right? And they're playing each other in a game that means so much when already in the domestic leagues, there's a lot to play for. Yeah. So as much as I embrace change, but there's certain things that don't have to change. And that's well, my problem. It's, with it's, the, it's the first week of it. Let's let's give yeah. it let's give it let's time and see what happens see. over over yeah. the next two three months. One one good thing I know about UEFA is that if it doesn't work, they're going to scrap it. Yeah. But for now, I, I I just think that you know it's it's good for them to experiment. You know they they're doing something different. My question has always been, you know, CAF needs to also be a, a bit more more dynamic and yeah. a, lot, a bit more creative than than this. Mm. I, I've, I've I've been a critic of of Chan before. And I've also, when I went to Rwanda, I thought it was a different um, um, tournament. But looking at the way things are moving globally, and also with all the technology and everything, mm. I think that we, we we need to be up in our game, you know, to to stay in touch with what the Europeans are doing because yeah. they, the the game they are at the center of the game. Uh, maybe you know. Uh, uh... One of the, the, the many good things we can take away from this opening week of the UEFA Nations League is the, the, quality, the good quality games we did actually yeah, get to see. Yeah. There was a couple of really, really Some good Some of more meaningful games than football. the friendlies. Yeah, yeah. So uh, perhaps, as Emika says, it might be something that a lot of the other federations from around the, the footballing world might want to look into as well and introduce into uh, the system. But uh, that is segment one, and we're going to take a... Short break. When we come back, we're going to talk a bit more about what happened with one former captain and his former star, uh, this of Real Madrid, and the shade that was thrown the one direction to the other. We'll be back. You're listening to the Pitch Invasion podcast, the podcast for football tribalists. Welcome back to Pitch Invasion, and we're going to go straight into some words that came from the lips of Sergio Ramos during the week, and this is what he had to say about the whole FIFA, the best lineup, those three names that are in the running for that award. He says, maybe other players have more marketing or bigger names. Luka Modric deserves to win the award. So these were the words of Sergio Ramos, captain at Real Madrid, and one would assume or that he's talking about... A man he shared the dressing room with for about nine years. This to me sounds like, you know, when uh, uh, someone has got a friend and their friend leaves, you know, the friend's boyfriend yeah. or girlfriend leaves them for another person and they're so upset about it and now they feel like, no, you should have stayed with my friend or, you know, that guy or that girl <laughs> is not as good as... That's what it sounds like to me. It just sounds like a jealous... Of, of uh, you know, somebody who spawned in somewhere or another because, you know, he hadn't said that about Ronaldo when Messi was yeah. winning it all along. Yeah. You know, now Ronaldo's moved on to Juventus all of a sudden. Sergio Ramos is so vocal about this. And, and talking so, about the market. Exactly. So that's what it sounds yeah. like to me. A, a jealous ex-friend or ex-lover who's just seen somebody else move on and, you know, cannot handle it well. Because Does he have a point though, Amiga? Uh, I just think that Sergio Ramos is, um, you know, he's making a very ridiculous uh, comment there. This, is, this was a guy who was his teammate for many years and mm -hmm. they all were very happy um, that he won those those awards. They're very happy um, with the marketing then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Take you know, to come up with, with something this silly, mm -hmm. you know. I mean Sergio Ramos, after his his um, actions in the in the finals mm -hmm. of the UEFA Champions League against Mohamed Mohamed Salah mm -hmm. you know, oh, has, has lost go. lost lost <laughs> too much let me get this right. So after that incident, he's lost. I'm saying that. I'm saying that. Had, did he have your respect before? Listen, Sergio, all Sergio, the nonsense. Listen, Sergio Ramos um, lives on the edge. Yeah. 
but the, but I, th- I thought he took it a bit too far, mm-hmm. and and also for him to to you know come out so vocally yeah. against against Ronaldo for me just doesn't make sense. What? It doesn't have anything to do with yeah. that whole incident. I'm just I'm just taking you back to that incident to say, you know, ordinarily, yeah, he shouldn't even have a voice because, you know, he's he's one of those people that that really put the game in this in yeah. disrepute, yeah, and I think that he just needs yeah. to to get his act together. Okay, let's let's look though at 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 sort of uh, the, the meat in the statement when he says Modric deserves to win the award. Has Luka Modric done enough to win both the UEFA Player of the Year and the FIFA Best Player? Has, has he actually done enough? Has Look, he done enough? One thing I will say, right? Um, he's standing up for his teammate. Yeah. Right? I would have assumed that Ronaldo was also his friend and probably would have stood up for his friend mm-hmm. and his teammate. So to me, it seems like they're no longer friends or maybe they're not as close as yeah. you know we thought they were. But, you know, I, I, to me, I, I'm not going to say I disagree or I agree with him. I understand why he's saying that. Yeah. It's his teammate. And, you know, why wouldn't you stick up for your teammate? Why wouldn't oh, no. you say your teammate would, deserves would, would to you on, be shocked, though, or on, would you be surprised if Luka Modric was to walk away with you? What do you think? Uh, look, I won't be surprised yeah. because he's already won the, the, the best player of the World Cup. Yeah. And I thought in the World Cup he did a lot better than Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for the World Cup, if you ask me, I thought... A couple of the, the French players deserve the shot um, at, big, at winning big, it. But then, um, the, the, you know, if you go back to the UEFA award, mm. did Modric deserve to win it better than Ronaldo did? Mm. Ronaldo practically carried that team because there was a point where they were struggling. And then he suddenly hit this patch with goal scoring mm. and, and even broke the, the record for, for goal scoring there. Mm. So, you know, if, if I place it on the balance, I would give this award to one of the French players. Rather than either either of them, and yeah. not even Mohamed Salah who's on that mm. on that uh, place because Mohamed Salah did nothing in the World Cup. But um, you know the way it is right now, if Modric gets it, maybe for a change, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. He, he's he's won um, the same title as Ronaldo won in, in the in the UEFA Champions League, yeah. and then he's gone a step further in the World Cup. So. Yeah. Maybe not a bad idea to give it to, to Modric, but it's not in Sergio Ramos's place. To, to speak in his place. <laughs> yes. <not. laughs> oh, a lot of sentiment, I think, uh, will be behind the award. Should it go to Modric? Because if, if, yeah, if I were to put my head on the block, I would not pick Modric as one of the top three players in the world. Apple Messi, yeah. Over the, the last uh, year. But it's, you know, it's fine. I guess we've already resigned ourselves to, to the fact that the 2018 award is going to go to. Modric, Modric. Let's, let's, it's. If if it doesn't go to Luka Modric, I'd be very surprised. Um, speaking and sticking with uh, shots being fired from one side to the other, here's a an interesting statement uh, coming from the uh, the life and times of Kaiser Chiefs. This is a statement from good old Bobby Mudaung. In fact, his father, Kaiser, uh, and he says that the Chiefs coach Giovanni Solinas wasn't a first choice. Well, why are we surprised? The guy arrived a week into the, before the season uh, started, so that should not surprise anybody. And um, look, one thing I've always respected about Kaiser Chiefs, of all the teams in this country, is that you know they, they brand themselves as always being, you know, doing the right yes. thing. They sign the right players. They get into the right deals. They always make deals or moves that make sense yes. for the club yeah. as a whole. So when they got Solinas in the week of the start of the season, that took me by surprise because I was thinking, this is not the organized Chiefs that I know, you know, from all these years. And it doesn't surprise me now that I look at it when he's saying that it's not the first, he wasn't the first choice. Mm. So maybe somebody was lined up 
And, you know, they phone Selena late on Sunday night saying, hey, look, you know, just apply for yeah. your visa in case this guy doesn't make it. And you know what? I think Chiefs are also in a desperate situation right now and uh, still without a win in the league. And what kind of a statement? They, they, need, they might have to mm. go back and uh, go back to the drawing board and say, you know what? Solinas wasn't our first choice. Yeah. You know, why is he our second? Why is he our third choice? And maybe see whoever the first choice was. I don't know if he's at another club somewhere, mm. but that hasn't stopped uh, PSL teams from yanking coaches two games into the yeah, season and, well. and replacing them. So maybe they might have to see if they can get whoever their first mm. choice is and replace Solinas because I just don't think it's working with Solinas. When, it's a strange when, statement when, to make, though. When you appoint a strange coach, statement. Yeah, when you appoint a coach one week to the to the league. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've only seen like four weeks mm. and then we've seen the, the competition where, yeah. you know, they, they didn't do too badly. Um, overall, if you, look yeah. at, if you look at it, they lost in the semis. They, they, they won against Free State Stars who thumped them out last season when, yeah. they, when they had what, what was probably a much better uh, settled team. I think that it's too early for them to make this kind of statements. What they need to do is not go back to the drawing board. They need to support the coach and motivate the, the, the coach and the players and see if they can, you know... Amika, support the coach. Results. The guy just came out and said he's not the first choice. That's what I'm saying. And I'm, support the coach. Okay, so, so there are two things. There are two things. If, if he's not your first choice and you're not happy... Um, it's strange. Get, 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 to, to get, Dan Malisala, young him two games. That, that's what I'm saying. Get rid of him and get another coach. Else. Otherwise... Support the coach. Mm. It's as simple as that. Okay, so this this early into the season, as you put it, still five games played in the league, yeah. no wins, uh, four whole draws, and a defeat. And I, I just can't help but feel that Chiefs have already exhausted their their, their draw quota for the season. And can't start and the other, four draws. The other aspect is that you know they've lost one of their key players, their key leaders. Mm. You know, so I know they've added Manyama in, in, into the situation, but they've lost Shaba. Shaba's like the heart of, of Kaiser yeah. Chiefs. I know Kun is the soul, but Shaba surely is the heart of the mm. team. And to lose him when the chips are down, you haven't won a game, you're out of the first big cup um, of the season. Yeah. I think, you know, they, they're in a, hence I say they might have to go back to the drawing board in terms of, okay, guys, let's restart our season. They might not have to fire the coach. Mm. Okay, fine. They don't have to. But let, I think they just reset buttons. Okay, guys, international break. Here's where we stand. We need to start with a new strategy, mm. maybe a new lineup, maybe a new they uh, need to, system. They, they need to and one win from, from their next two games, and they probably could kick their, their season. I mean, they've only lost one game in the season. Mm. And it's not as if all the other teams, you know, are winning all their games. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're not too far too far off. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll touch a bit more on that with uh, the Absa Premiership returning uh, over the weekend. makes us better rivalry this is the absa premiership i want to have a chat about uh, you know this this issue at manchester united um we know jose Mourinho comes with his own issues but uh, what i am seeing a lot of is united fans especially on social media and i had a, a real go at them this past uh, week a lot of them are pointing fingers at paul pogba um, if it's not his hairstyle, it's 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 his lack of commitment. Maybe his 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 words that he said last week that who knows about his future. But the, a lot of them seem to have a thing with Paul Pogba, and I just don't get it. To all our millions of uh, listeners, I did say at the start of the season, <laughs> do not take Pogba on fantasy because he's going to let you down. 
So, has, wait, you wait, know wait, exactly where I stand on Pogba. How is he let people and down? You, you know what my thing is with Pogba, mm. Okay. The price tag is what it is. He didn't set it. Yeah. However, you have to live it. Right? right? You have to live it. If Beyonce to me came and said, listen, I want you to start dating me today. I have to live like I'm <laughs> dating Beyonce. I cannot come up in flops and shorts. And Sorry. I, I need to come up she's, looking like a superstar she's model. Not, she's not, avail- I need, she's I not available. Up, I know she's not available, yeah, so. but I'm just saying, but if, if, she if were, Beyonce today were available and she picked me instead of you, I, mean, you, right? I you, would have to you play use, the part. Please use another right? example. I, I, would, I would have to play the part. Yeah. Right? I would have to play the part. Yeah. So the price tag on Pogba is what it is it's said he has to play like an 80 90 million he has to be jay-z to the he has to be that he has to play like that and unfortunately i know he hasn't had the easiest of starts uh, going back from last season but this season i would have thought okay he came back straight into the team he's won the world cup Mm -hmm. they gave him the captaincy scored a penalty i thought that pogba okay right now he would have moved on and been up there amongst uh, at least a, he's by not, now play he's of not the gonna, month at least. But but Kola, he's, not, he's, not, he's, not, he's not gonna he's not gonna guy. do it alone. He if your if your team is set up negatively, there's nothing you can do. And and, and this and this is a, a very good point you make, Amika, because we all we all at, and I speak as a United fan, we all know that the way that Mourinho sets United up generally it's just absolutely I, I watched I watched him I watched him so, Pogba against the Netherlands mm. and he was having fun with it and, and, and it, it goes back to that you talk about him coming back as a World Cup winner and let's be honest he's played three games this season for United Six, two of the three games he's actually done a very good job Rosie I read a quote from John Terry over the weekend yeah. right and it was directed at the Manchester United players I'm not going to paraphrase it um, just the gist of what he said yeah. was you know the players have to see it through like I did because he said there was a point where Jose embarrassed him mm. in training and he made sure he worked so hard to improve Jose and he said because of that work ethic that he did it rubbed off against other players mm. that you know felt that maybe Jose was not on their side yeah. the rest is history with no, Jose and Chelsea I, I, so I, all I'm saying is that look maybe Jose is just one of those people that you know you need to do something out of the norm to impress him. Samuel you know, Eto'o went from striker to left wing, didn't like it, but he put he put on a shift for Jose, mm-hmm. and again the rest is history. So what I'm saying is that maybe I know I'm always slamming Mourinho, yeah. but you know there are two sides to every story. So what I'm saying is, may, look at Luke Shaw for example. This year he's he's grinding, yeah. he's playing well, he's in the team. Jose seems impressed. So what I'm saying with Paul Pogba is maybe, right, let's just try impress Mourinho. Mm-hmm. Let's see if his ways, you know, might not suit you, but just do it nonetheless. Try impress him. Yeah. That might free you to actually express yourself. If your team if your team is defending all the time, even against Brighton, that game that they yeah. lost, they were set up so defensively. And I, I'm wondering, okay, you've got so much quality in this team to actually play on the front foot, but... You know, if you don't do that, and it's impossible to get the best out of the players. So it's it's very simple. It's very simple. And you speak of, of, of John Terry and Luke Shaw. For me, a superstar like Paul Pogba, and I, I say superstar based on so all, every, all, all, every aspect you can, uh, you know, based on, uh, you know, the, the term superstar, superstar on. Paul Pogba is multi-talented. He's... He ticks all the boxes. He's, he ticks all the boxes. So you can't expect your star player, and let's be honest, he's a star player for United. You can't no, say to your star player... Do a job for me. No. Mourinho, Mourinho, Mourinho turned, he turned John Obi Mikel, yeah. who was voted the second best creative player in the world mm. after, after Messi yeah. in 2005. Turned him into a defender. 
and and the, th- the and thing the is, you is can't history. expect the star. And the rest is history. You can't say to. <laughs> and the you, rest is you history. You can't say. You can't say to. You can't say to the the, the, the only player you have in your team, besides David de Gea, who can easily be, be be called world class. You can't say to him, you do a job for me. No, but he should be the guy that you're basing your whole game on. But Lozzy, here's the thing though, right? And this is something I said about Troy Deeney last mm. week. Is th- See, again, be- a, before you this, continue, okay. and, this, and this is the issue for me, you cannot in any sentence have Paul Pogba and Troy Deeney. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about to. 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 strengths have got nothing to do with his ability as a footballer. Hang on, They Lozzie. are w- what he adds more. But Lozzie, Pogba should be, be what he does as a footballer. Lozzie, Use those. There is a certain attitude. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take... Um, the, the ability aside yeah. now. Let's take the ability aside. Yeah. There's a certain attitude that is required to live and sustain yourself in the Premier League. Yeah. This was what Veron's problem was when he came at Manchester United at, at, with Sir Alex Ferguson, right? And I'm going to use Veron as an example. Came in, big money signing, yeah. one of the best midfielders in the world, yeah. playing for a top international team. There's a certain attitude that is required for you to sustain yourself in the Premier League. Right. All your ability can count for nothing. You can ask Cristiano Ronaldo have, about that. Yeah. Your ability means nothing if there's a certain approach right. and attitude you don't bring. So, my point is with Paul Pogba is that the ability is there. There's no question, there's no denying that. Mm-hmm. But there's a certain attitude, a certain blue-collar ethic that you need in the Premier League. Yeah. And that's maybe what Jose is trying to say to Pogba. Listen, we know you're good. We know you've got skill. We, yeah. we know you like going forward. But maybe there's something on the other end of that's outside of the spectrum of ability that I need you to put in in the specific role that will open you up okay, okay. to being I, I, the Paul Pogba of Juventus in France. I, 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 I absolutely agree with you there. But then can we not then direct whatever criticism of Pogba, can we not then direct it in, in, in that regard to say that you don't have a... don't Because the thing is, if, the people that are criticizing Paul Pogba are criticizing his ability. And that's, and that's the issue. Mm. They're criticizing that, his ability. The, yeah, I've then seen a few. If you are going that, to criticize, criticize his blue collar or lack of. Don't criticize his ability. He's United's. He's 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 one of two world class players at United. I'll give you an example. It's almost the same situation that we have at my club at Arsenal with Mesut Özil. Mm. The ability Absolutely. is not. The ability Absolutely. is not yeah. in question. Yeah. Right. It's not in question. It's just the approach and the work ethic and a certain, you know. Blue collar man that is required in the Premier League. So that's why there's certain players that you wouldn't. Gareth Barry, for example, mm. who would have thought Gareth Barry has played so many years in the Premier League, yeah. so many games and and um, so many minutes mm. under his belt. His ability is not up there amongst the yeah. best, you know, holding midfielders, yeah. but. There's a certain approach that he gets, that he understands what is needed to survive in this league. Yep. And maybe that is what Jose is trying mm-hmm. to say to Pogba, is that listen, get your, your, your ability is not going to go away. Get your Gareth Barry Exactly. On. <laughs> you, you're not going to be a terrible player overnight. Yeah. However, there's just something that you might have to bring on the table that I need right now that, you know, maybe you don't like. Mm-hmm. But maybe ask Frank Lampard about that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. ask ask Samuel Eto'o about that. Ask Wesley Schneider about that. I, you know, I, I, so if I'm Paul Pogba, yeah. seriously, if I'm Paul Pogba, and look, Manchester United are not going to sell Pogba now unless somebody triggers his release clause, right? Maybe it wouldn't hurt, you know, to say, you know what? Let me phone Wesley Schneider. Let me phone Frank Lampard. Yeah, guys, that was sort of in my position. 
guys, here's where I am. Here's what's happening. You know the situation. Am I wrong or help me? Yeah, no, I, don't, I don't agree with yeah, that. I, mean, I look, don't agree with that either. Oh, to be Pogba honest. has earned his right to, to be Pogba. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And what United fans, those who are listening, need to understand that to. you are not in a position, based on what has happened to our team over the past couple of years, to demand certain aspects of this and that from one of your two only world class players. You're not in that position. Pogba has earned the right to, if Barcelona are knocking on his door, he's earned the right to say, What do you have to say? He's earned that. You can't expect or demand the same loyalty to Manchester United from Pogba as you would from Luke Shaw. Firstly, because let's not forget what we did to Pogba as a, 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 a younger player. Where we, yeah, you we, let him go as if that didn't mean exactly. nothing. Exactly. So it's, it's, it was his decision to come back. Yes, the money was good. But he's still very much in a position where he can't decide to go anywhere Amika, because he's only one of two players you. in the team. I'm an Arsenal fan. Can this chaos go on at United? I'm loving <laughs> this. This is the problem. Can this chaos this, continue? This well, is the this problem. Well, well, really, can they well, keep this well, up? Let's, let's, For let's years, we've been getting this from them. I am loving it. We're seeing planes fly over with this guy. I'm just I'm saying, failure. I'm saying. I'm loving it. I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. The, the, the limited number of world-class players you do have, you need to take care of. Otherwise, he will, and he's good enough to leave and go to literally any other big team in the world. And he'll do well. He'll do well. If, he, he, if he goes to Barcelona, he'll do well. See, see what I mean? So now you're gonna, and then we're gonna be left with Fellaini and, and Lingard running the show. But um, we're gonna move on from uh, from uh, Paul Pogba and uh, whatever issues that United and United fans still have with him. And uh, I mean, there's still there's still also the the, the, the rumor mill is, is very much uh, continuing as far as the Zid, uh, Zinedine Zidane coming in and uh, sort of rescuing matters if they need rescuing at United. There's also a a bit of uh, a uh, Paulo Diabala uh, story that is sort of emanating as I mean, far as United. There's not a fair window for players until January. Yeah. And even if I doubt Juventus will sell uh, Dybala because mm. Dybala is like the perfect foil for Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, with regards to Zidane, maybe. I mean, some of these things, yeah, there's no smoke without fire. But um, Man United won their game last, the last game they played. Yeah. So uh, let's keep that, that rumor in the... And uh, cupboard for a while and see what happens. Let's see what happens when they travel to the uh, big uh, spending, a big uh, playing Watford, who have made a fantastic start to the season. Uh, let's move on, though, to uh, what we did see as far as international breaks is concerned and uh, some of the injuries that I already touched on on Luke Shaw. The good news for any of you United fans is that he seems to be all right. Um, it, it wasn't anything muscular or anything like that. Just perhaps a concussion, a heavy one. And uh, given that week or two, he, he should be back and uh, filling that left-back role. Uh, there was an injury, Kola, uh, to Atoria as well. Uh, you haven't used him enough, but uh, mm. he's still an Arsenal player. And uh, your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I got, uh, well, I saw some updates on his injury. It looks like it's a calf strain. Yeah. So at max, maybe a, a game, a week and a bit, yeah. you know, so it won't be too much of a problem. Plus, we've got the... Um, coming up soon so uh, he'll be rested for that game so I don't think it's any cause of concern yeah uh, I know he was being treated uh, immediately after the game and uh, they haven't you know suspected anything worse than a call strain of a maximum two weeks so he should be fine yeah. all right and uh, with that we're gonna have a look now at uh, a lot of uh, the 
domestic leagues are returning, obviously, this uh, this coming weekend after the international break. And uh, I guess it's only fitting that we do start in England, where we've got a big game coming up uh, for you, Imika, and your Reds. Uh, you've got Spurs up next. Well, I mean, that's, that's the game everyone looks forward to. Um, last season, it was the, the one game that that really uh, put a dampener on mm. Liverpool's early brilliant start. You know, they lost 5 nil to... Uh, sorry, five, yeah, uh, five nil to Man City, and then they also uh, lost to Tottenham. But after that, that loss to Tottenham, you know, was when the team picked yeah. up. So going back to Wembley, I think that um, this game will be a game that will be uh, of interest to everyone who loves the game. Spurs, on the other hand, uh, ride, riding very high and yeah. being brought down to earth by Watford. So they know that they can afford two losses in, in a row. So it'll be a game to to look forward to and. I don't want to call it, but um, I want to say that I, I still feel that, that Liverpool has enough in their locker to 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 get another win in this game. Uh, I mean, are we are we going to see the type of game that we right now are thinking about? Is it going to be that open? Is is it going to be a, another five-two or five-three type of game? I think it's going to be an open game because you know this is the first sort of a big game for well. Yes, first big game for both teams because yeah. at Old Trafford Shut up. was nothing for Shut Tottenham. Up. So, <laughs> so it's going to be one of those games where I think both managers enjoy their positions right now yeah. in terms of their respective careers because they're both at that level where, you know, the Mourinho's, I think um, the world is down with Mourinho's, the world is down with Ancelotti, Wenger's out of the picture. Yeah. And I think they are at that level whereby it's them going into the future as to who could be in the Premier League that next super manager yeah. in terms of, you know, the Ferguson um, caliber type of manager. And for them, you know, they have a lot to lose in terms of the league in this game. And I'll tell you why. Because should Tottenham lose this game, one, that's back-to-back losses, they haven't signed anybody. Mm. So going into the January transfer window, it's going to be thin. Yeah. New stadium, nothing. They cannot improve. They will have gone to, what, two losses now in the start of the season. Remember what I said Remember before. last year, Tottenham went, uh, went, I think, they went nearly 15 games having only lost one game, mm. right? I told and that's you, what I told got you, them up there. I told so you, to me, I I told you three, three, weeks, three weeks ago, I said Tottenham will, will be the one team that will buy players in the... In the and I don't think so, right? Now, for Liverpool, right, why it's a big game for me is that if they lose this game now, right... It's going to be a snowball effect in terms of how other teams are going to see them versus the bigger teams. Because we've, they seen, them they against, lose. we've seen them against the smaller teams, right? They, they were walking their way through these games. Now against a much tougher point, opponent, teams have got time to study them. Teams have got time to figure them out. Better resources. Better resources. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to see the real Liverpool and we're going to see the real Tottenham. Against Watford, I'm not sure that was the real Tottenham, but it's a big game for both teams. Mm. Tottenham beat Man United and you're saying that it, that was the real and then a week after they got turned over by Watford, so I'm so, still not sure which is the real Tottenham and which is the real Liverpool. Liber- Liverpool will win this game. Oh. And, and, but are, are you saying this as a Liverpool fan? No. Okay, so then I'm saying it because say first, I'm, I'm saying it because of of how the, te- the team has been set up. They've gone through these games without without uh, going past. To gear two, mm. if, if they were driving a the car, they, have, mm-hmm. they haven't really put in so much. And you think it's going to be the same way against Tottenham? Liverpool does better when they play against teams that come out to play against them. Yeah. And this is just a perfect game for them. But they, Amika, the difference is, right, 
against teams that you've played this season, okay? You played um, Leicester with nobody, right? So you didn't have to face that sort of uh, top striker. And, you know, when you played Crystal Palace, to be Zaha wasn't there. Right. He was there. He, he was, was there. there, but you know he wasn't at his best. He right. was there. So making an excuse. Well, until, he wasn't at his up, best. Up until right? the penalty decision, Crystal Palace were, were they were playing well. Yeah. So now you're actually going to play a team where everybody is is fit. The the strong starting lineup is there, and they've got Harry Kane firing with the momentum from the World Cup. He scored in August, so he's confident now. So for me, I want to see how Liverpool handle that because this, so far this season, as Spons, I've described, Spons should be worried. Should be worried about about Salamani. Keita yeah. and Firmino. Firmino scored for Brazil, by the way. Yeah, scored open goal. And Salah scored two goals, missed even missed two penalties. Mm. Okay, well, I mean, what, missed two penalties. Well, he, the second one, he he scored the rebound. The rebound. But, okay. okay, okay. So this will be a, a very nice uh, uh, sort of it's, point. I, I mean, point I'm, to I'm looking. I'm looking forward to next it. next week. We'll we'll, we'll 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 see how it goes, as you as you put it, Dimika. We'll see how how it goes, and we'll have a discussion uh, in seeing wh- which of the two sides did manage to get a win. As far as La Liga is concerned, uh, Atletico dropped points last time out, and. Uh, for me, they, they look like a side that is struggling to, to, to come to terms with, you know, being, not only being third favorite for the title, but being actually one of the, the, the you know, perhaps same level as Barcelona and Real Madrid for the title this season. Well, Atletico, for me, I feel will even be the team to challenge uh, for the title more mm. because they have a lot more settled team. And um, yeah, it's okay to drop a point. It's still early, early days. But I, I, I feel that... If ever there's a chance for Atletico to to have a go at the title, mm. this this season is a season for them. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the the Balaidos is not a the worst place to drop points. It, it, there's been a lot of big sides that have gone to Salta and struggled, but I mean, if if you look at what they have done and 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 they've brought in Lamar and and he seems to have settled really quickly. Uh, they still have plenty of quality as well. Jelson Martin. Uh, yeah, they still got plenty of quality. Do do you do you expect them to 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 go? They've surprised me this season because I thought they would have been up there, you know, with a hundred. 100% record. I know playing at Celta Vigo is never easy, but you know they have enough players yeah. to see it through, or at least uh, hang on for a point. Yeah. And even um, in the you know the victories that they've uh, claimed this season, they haven't actually looked no, their they best. At all. At all. And I'm worried for them in terms of the investment they've made this season because mm. they seem like they've gone gung ho not only just in the league this yeah. season but in the Champions League. And I'm still not seeing, you know, early days, but I'm still not seeing that Atletico that, you know, um, just gets the job done in some way or another. Is it, is it, is it, is it a different challenge, though, for, for someone like, like Simeone to, to say to him, we're giving you attacking quality now, we're giving you offensive quality. Drop the whole, you know, victim act, or the, the whole, we're going to sit back and because we don't have uh, enough resources, we're going to sit back and be everyone's second team because, you know, we'd be underdog the whole time. Is it a different challenge for him? Does he have it in his locker to, to be a favorite? I think that's a very good question because, you know, we've seen it with uh, teams where and when an underdog all of a sudden becomes a favorite, yeah, you know, it's a very that, different, it, it's a very different mentality. Yeah. I mean, you saw them this uh, the start of the season in the UEFA Super yeah. Cup. They came in as a slight underdogs. I yeah. know um, Ronaldo wasn't in the picture, yeah. but they played really well. They played like that dogged Atletico who are the underdogs. They've got nothing to yeah. lose and the result came their way. This season, it's a different approach, different title. They're coming in as title contenders yeah. and I'm not so sure that 
goes well to certain players who have a point to prove. I mean, I look at people like Diego Costa, for example. Mm. He thrives in situations whereby he's an underdog yeah. or you're not expecting much from him. And that's where he's going to give you the performances. Whereas this season, he's expected at yeah. least to get in you know, the 20 yeah. plus goals. He's expected to be one of their star players. And he's also had a bit of a slow start. Mm. And I'm not so sure that works well for a, a team like Atletico when you've gone from this underdog all of a sudden to being favorites, yeah. which is the same thing that's going to happen now with uh, Mika's team in uh, in England. <laughs> uh, you know, underdogs now yeah. this season, they're favorites. So we're going to see how that plays out for teams like Liverpool and Atletico. We'll take it one week at a time. And so far, it's working out. So, Mika, so always, Mika always has an answer for, when it comes to Liverpool. He really does. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring it a bit closer to home now. And uh, this is a question I want to pose to you guys. Which of these four teams in the AFC Premiership needs to win the most? And I look at Kaiser Chiefs coming up against Cape Town City. And I look at Orlando Pirates up against Supersport United. Of those two clashes and those four teams, which two are in a bit of a, uh, we're we okay at the moment. And which two do you feel are like? Let me, let me put it to you this yeah. way, right? There's a team here that hasn't won a game. Yeah. And to me, Kaiser Chiefs are in serious, serious trouble. Yeah. They need a win. Yeah. Because you know how Chiefs fans are. The moment things don't go their way, <laughs> uh, there's a, we know there's very a riot, well there's problems. Are. People ask for coaches to be subbed, fired, yeah. and people just run on the pitch. So um, the Chiefs really need a win. They, they've got to win. They've yeah. got to. But the problem, stage. the problem is that they're playing an informed Cape Town City mm. who themselves also need a win just as badly as yeah. the Chiefs. So they are very confident um, coming into this game, Cape Town City. So I wouldn't be surprised if it is a draw, but Chiefs need the win more you know, than Cape Town City. As far as Pirates are concerned, you know, um, I think the Kabuza situation, obviously that's done and dusted, but Supersport has just been one of those teams that just really stick <laughs> it to them over the about years. Them, yeah. And I think, yeah. I think they need that win more for their morale against yeah. Supersport than anything. <laughs> I think it's, it's it's a very funny situation. I, I, as much as I want to agree with him about about Kaza Chiefs needing a win, I think that as Orlando Pirates, Supersport United have become like their own kryptonite. Yeah. It's like every time they come up against Supersport United, they struggle, even when they seem like they're winning mm. then they panic and you know Supersport comes back into that game but um but overall even if Pirates lose it won't be as bad as if Kaiser Chiefs, Chiefs lose their yeah. game because Chiefs really really need a win and uh, I think that at, at the end of the day you know anything less than a win will put a lot of pressure on on the coach and probably mm. even uh, put pressure put more pressure on the management to to either um get a new coach or uh, do something drastic do something, and, yeah. and what, what else can they do they cannot sign new players until January and so they might have to decide whether they want to see, swim or sink with yeah. Solinas if you were to, to, to give us a bit of a, a, a prediction as far as those two games are concerned Chiefs Cape Town City Super Sport United Pirates uh, another draw oh, well, the Chiefs game for Chiefs <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Super Sport United and Pirates also a draw Another draw as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, they, they they did meet just a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And in, in, in the cup was it quarterfinals or the semifinals? Uh, the, the quarter quarterfinals. Yes, yes, and there was a draw there uh, that uh, Super Sports United ended up winning on penalties. But uh, Imika's going with two draws. Ola, are you going with? You know what? I think um, Cape Town City are going to upset Chiefs. 
Right. Will it be an upset, really, these days? Well, you know, it won't be much of an upset. They're yeah. away from home, but yeah. um, I think Cape Town City are going to win there. They've been doing well. They've been doing home. well, right, away from home. And I think Pirates this time, we, come on, they've got to do it, surely. They, they've got to do with it. They, with their finishing sport. coach. Yes, I think they're going to beat Super Sport. Mm. I think it could be a comfortable game for Pirates. You know? Why do you say that? Against, against Super Sport United. Against no. Super Sport, because I think, you know, the momentum coming to this game, Pirates, you know, they finally seem like they've got the right starting lineup. Mm. Okay, we've got a few players in the national setup now and I think Supersport this season um, they've kind of uh, overestimated themselves I know they're on form in the cup and all and Gaetan uh, has done well with they've them won, they've, they've won, won five won. games now yes in a, know, on the trot but yeah. but right I think um, second on some, the table second on the table at some point um, you know Pirates you know their class as one of the big teams in South Africa yeah. is going to have to come through against a big team. Yeah. You saw them last year against Sundowns when they needed to win that game uh, to push them further into mm. the league and they thrashed Sundowns. And I see them not in a similar position against Supersport, but they're in a position whereby they actually need a win yeah. and it's a big team. And Pirates do this against big teams when they will surprise you and thrash them. Mm. And I wouldn't be surprised if Pirates win this game 3-0. Please quote me on that. <laughs> Pirates <laughs> are going to beat Supersport 3-0. You don't make such statements okay. and, and, and not expect us to quote. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be watching the game with so much... Uh, um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about three. No, th- thinking about your face when I when three. Before, no. before we do close, I think it would be terrible for us to not speak about Vitz and the fantastic start they've made to the season. Not only are they picking up points, they're scoring goals as well. I mean, I think I can I can think of two games already they scored three goals in. They scored two goals in in, in, in a lot of the other games as well. The four win, four they had, they, they've just had one defeat against yeah. SuperSport. So, yeah. so um, I think to, that I think that they normally with Vitz. You know, the season where they won, mm. and a couple a couple more seasons, we've seen them finishing strong, yeah. not starting as well as they've yeah. done. So um, let's see how how they can keep up their momentum. But it's a great start and, and a surprise, if you ask me. Mm. Okay. I think also credit to um, the Vitz management for keeping faith in uh, Gordon. Gavin. Gordon. Gavin yeah. Hunt, because, you know, last season, uh, things could have really gone uh, pear-shaped yeah, for Vitz. And that's usually PSL teams panic in that situation. And they think, oh, no, we're going to get relegated, get rid of the guy, fire the guy. Mm-hmm. And they've kept faith in him. They've given him a good squad again this season. And, you know, Gavin, you know, he's... he's his record speaks for himself, so yeah. he knows what to do in this situation. And I'm not surprised they're back in it in the, um, excuse the pun, in the hunt for the, you know, early in the season for the title. And I think they're actually one of those teams that are going to surprise again this year. And I, I see them finishing in the top five. Okay. Okay. Top five, Paula says, for Vitz, uh, they'll be thinking, well, we're finishing in the top one. Uh, fantastic start they've made to the season. Uh, but uh, we'll, 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 see, we'll see how it, it all unfolds. I mean, some really good, you know, local games coming up this weekend, some fantastic games coming up in Europe as well. Uh, there's uh, still Serie A, Juve up against Sassuolo, which, uh, believe it or not, is a top two clash uh, three weeks into Serie A. Inter up against Parma. Inter just coming from their first win of the season. So a lot to play for in Serie A as well. A lot to play for in La Liga and, of course, in the Absa Premiership. But uh, from Asia uh, at Pitch Invasion, for one last time, my name is Loazis Gubu. 3 0 Kala Makwaza to Pirates. And of course, uh, we're painting White Hat Lane red. It's going to be oh. called the Red Hat Lane. <laughs> Liverpool to win. Emeka Yadike signing off. Goodbye for now.